Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. go into Norman and upset Oklahoma. We will talk about it right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, and scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We also, if you haven't noticed, we have a new kind of thing in the background. Wawa has pizza. Uh, get your perfect Wawa pizza delivered to your door for a $0 delivery fee. Available in 14-inch or 16-inch pies, so there's plenty to share. Or enjoy it all yourself. Order online with the Wawa app, DoorDash, Uber Eats, or Grubhub. Use promo code DELIVERY here or order in your favorite delivery app. Um, and that's from 4, it starts at 4 p.m. So if you got to go get your Wawa pizza, um, they're pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Well, I think Wawa's done it again. Uh, get your Wawa pizza. We're kind of doing some stuff with Wawa over the next month or so, um, which is kind of what brings me to the Oklahoma game. Um, I'll let you know. But let's first hear from Nick Geddes. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? Obviously, a much-needed bye week. Much-needed bye week. Uh, we got a Wawa pizza. Went and tried that. Because on the Saturday, we had college football. Not going to lie, some eh games this weekend. Not that, like, the the Oregon-Washington game was clearly the number one game to watch. Um, but a much-needed bye week uh, for us UCF um, fans and, and podcasters. But... Uh, how are you doing, and are you excited for this upcoming week of college football? Yeah, every week of college football is exciting. We're already, what are we, halfway through the season already? I got to cherish every single one of these that we get here. Uh, but yeah, it's a tough game for UCF. I think we know that. But listen, I, I've been saying this all year, regardless of what happens in these games, you know, they could lose by 30, 40. You know, it's good to to be playing big-time competition. And as a program... I think that's you know what you should aspire to get to, and UCF has gotten to do that. And yes, it's rough right now. I get it. Um, we're not re- we're not really enjoying the seasons, or at least the last three games of the season. We're not really enjoying it much, and I don't know how much we're really going to get out of this weekend. But you know what are we playing? I mean, where's Oklahoma ranked? Number three, right? In the uh, six. or six in the poll, whatever. They're a top yeah top seven team. They're one of the seven or eight teams that are undefeated in college football that have a shot at winning a national championship uh, and that's whose house you get to go to. So this is an exciting, you know, buildup, I guess, to this game. And of course the big storylines going into this game as well, which we'll get into, but yes, coming off this weekend, it was good to cleanse the palate. You mentioned Washington and Oregon, hell of a game for my money game of the year, Sean. I I think that's Mm. where I'm at with that one. Um, Not too many other surprises there, but excited to get back and dive into UCF football this week. 
Yeah, I th- me and you have the same thought. I think Washington, in my opinion, is the best team in the country that I've seen on paper um, and just how they play the game. Uh, UCF could have had Michael Penix Jr. I don't know if you knew that, Nick. Oh, I knew it. Because um, <laughs> UCF fans were making it known on Twitter. Um, but, no, I mean, that was a great game. But, you know, we've got a good one this weekend. Um, before we get into it, I know – for all the fans that you just want us to talk about the game, we're getting there. You can go to the time code and click it, but we will be doing another live watch along. I'll be doing that. Um, and a special announcement is we'll be doing it live from Burger U uh, on campus. Obviously, kind of the spot for UCF fans on game days to, to go out and, and go to Burger U. We went there when we were students. Um, I'm very happy that they let us and are letting us kind of do this on Saturday. So um, in, we're do, we're giving some Wawa giveaways. We got some gift cards. Um, we have some coupons for some free hoagies, free iced coffees, some Wawa merch, and maybe some charge-on merch. Maybe some charge-on merch that we're giving away. Um, we're going to be doing these throughout the rest of the season, um, preferably a Burger U for the away games. And then home games, we'll be announcing that next week. Because we have a good uh, good announcement there. But make sure if you're looking to watch the game anywhere, come watch it with me. I'll be at Burger U. We'll have you on. You could talk about how you're feeling on the game, whatever you want to do. Um, and then, as always, we'll be live streaming it on YouTube, on the Charge on YouTube channel as well. So you'll be able to watch or come in and, and chill out at Burger U. So um, thank you to Burger U, and that will be happening on Saturday. But let's get in to the game I'll be watching from Burger U. Um, love that we're doing it, Nick, and Nick will be on next week's thing, whatever we're doing, but, um, big game, big game, the game that everybody was looking forward to, and now I think the game that everybody's been dreading, um, UCF versus Oklahoma. Now, before we get into the actual Oklahoma part, because yes, you're right, Nick, we have a lot of storylines with there, you have Dylan Gabriel, you have Jeff Levy, you have a bunch of UCF connections there, and not even UCF connections. I mean, Ole Miss connections with John Rice. John Rice got to be under Levy for, I think, a year. So there's a lot of connections here. Brent Venables and Gus have played each other quite a bit in their their time coaching. But I want to get to John Rice Plumley. We talked on the Kansas pregame. We said, if John Rice is not 100%, you should not be playing him. You should sit him, give him the extra week because the bye week's the next week, Give him the extra week because the back half of the schedule looks, I don't know how favorable, but it seemed very favorable for UCF. Unfortunately, and again, we've heard, you know, he was ready. He heard a snap, crackle, and pop in his knee playing Kansas, and he got a little nervous. And then Gus just decided we're just going to keep him out because I mentally, I guess he wasn't there. I'm not buying it. I don't think he was 100%. I think he's not going to be 100% this weekend. I think, again, as a competitor that John Rice is, John Rice wanted to play. They threw him out there, and again, he heard the, the, the pop, even though it was, again, just scar tissue. It seemed like this weekend, he's probably closer to 100%. Nick, he's probably closer. We've heard good things. I guess the Monday or the Sunday night practice went, went really well to where both him and or Gus and JRP were very enthused with how the practice went. In your mind, let's just say John Rice is not 100%. Let's say he's 80%. Do you play him against the number six team in the country 
as his first real full game back. I know he played like a snap or whatever at Kansas. If he's not 100%, do you sit him another week for the game against West Virginia and for the rest of the year? Or do you say, listen, we, we're trying to turn this season around. He needs a game rep. Let's throw him out there. He's close to 100%, not 100%, and see what happens. Well, you know, I think the obvious thing is they think that John Rice Plumley gives them the best chance to win, right? Now, you threw the hypothetical number out there, 80%. And <clears throat> I guess the big thing for me is, like, yeah, I, I don't buy it either that he's going to be 100%. I just don't. I know it's been two weeks, but, <clears throat> you know, two weeks – ago when I watched him, you know, like you said, snack, crackle, pop, and very gimpy, unable to really run. I'm not buying it that two weeks later, he's magically got everything back at his disposal. And as I've been saying, if he can't use his legs to the fullest ability, I don't really see the upgrade to Timmy McLean. That's just me. Some people might feel differently about that, but I think we've kind of talked about it. Like, I think Timmy's arm and the way he can move the ball down the field, I think at, at times you could make an argument is better than what JRP can do. And I don't think it really benefits UCF's offense to have JRP in there if he can't run. I just think that's the way it is. Now, is there a ceiling on the offense with Timmy McLean? Probably. You know, I said that. They're averaging like 35 a game right now, I believe, on the dot. If you had JRP at his full... 100% healthy, I think they could probably score more than 40 a game. And maybe that's the difference in winning and losing when you have a defense that can't really stop anybody right now, right? But I don't think the ceiling changes that much with John Rice Plumley in there. In fact, I think it goes down a little bit because I think asking him to stand back there and be like a true pocket passer who can't really move and get out of the pocket and things like that, I just don't see how that's going to work, especially against a big-time opponent like in Oklahoma, that you know can get after the quarterback and is going to be flying all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand they want to get him back in there, and in theory he gives you the best chance to win, but not if it's at not even if it's at 80% or whatever it is, in my opinion, just because of his play style in particular. Now, I want to preface this by saying, listen, if he's 90% but can still move and can still get out of the pocket and can still make some of the runs that he makes, then I think that does give UCF the best chance to win. Because yes, again, it, we, it just depends how much he ultimately can run, and we don't have the answers to that. I'm going, oh, off, I'm going off of what I saw against Kansas. I know, again, it's been two weeks. Logically, you would think he's better. I'm not debating you on that. I'm yeah. just saying how much better are we? Like, are we able to? Is he able to to show off his legs and on design runs and things like that, and truly do all those things? That's what I oh, need to know. You're 100. percent That's I think what every UCF fan needs to know. Like, I'm saying if if the coaches saw and he's been running in practice, and listen, we'll see it on Saturday. Like the first run he got out of the pocket for Kansas, made that first you know got out of the puck the pocket to the right, made the throw. It was a good throw. But then he looked iffy, like he looked like he kept like limping and he looked iffy from there. I think that's where he heard the the snap in his knee was when he took that run to the right side. So we're not going to know until he takes that first run. That's what I said to Kansas. We're not going to know until he goes out there and we're going to find out within the first three minutes 
if he's okay. And guess what? We found out in the first three minutes, he was not okay. I don't think it's the physical barrier. I think it's the mental barrier. Nick. Yeah, I it's think always the mental. It's always the mental. And I think John Rice, you go back in his time in college, and I know he had the, the plagued injuries last year, but it wasn't like a like a, a injury that could have been really bad. And again, for all intents and purposes, we're assuming that this injury was pretty scary and pretty a pretty hard rehab, especially to come back how quickly as he did. And for him to get over that mental barrier, I'm, I don't know if he's dealt with an injury like this prior. So I think that's another mental thing that we have to talk about and think if he can't get over that this weekend, that's going to be a, a constant thing in his head. And let me put it like this too. I know this is a... This is a crappy way of kind of looking at it, and I hate doing that because, you know, again, in theory, you want to think that you have a shot to win any football game you're in. But realistically, <clears throat> we already know the stack is pretty much, or the deck is pretty much stacked against UCF going into this one. They're at three and three right now, right? We got six games left. We've talked about the back half of the schedule. Now, certain teams are playing a little better right now on the back half of your schedule at the moment. I mean, we've talked about it. The Big 12 makes no sense. Zero. None. Hard to, hardest schedule to predict right now. But with that being said, if your goal and at this point it is to get bowl eligible, like, I'll ask you, the, I know you, I already probably know the answer, Sean, but I mean, assuming JRP was fully 100% healthy <clears throat> and UCF went into this very, I mean, do you even think they stand a chance? at winning this game? Like, what was a percentage you'd even put on it? 10. 10. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I hate to look at it that way, but in a way, even though this is quote-unquote the biggest game on your schedule, it's really not. Because, like you said, you put it at 10% chance to win. I probably am right around there. This is college football. Anything can happen in theory again. But... The more important games are really are really after this. Because yep. after this game, every other game you can at least make an argument as a coin flip that you win the game, at the very least. And you're trying to get bowl eligible. So I know I'm trying I'm maybe I'm being a little overly cautious here with John Rice Plumley, but again, if you're trying to get bowl eligible and you still have five games after this to get that done, and you got to win two games, which I think is very doable, or three games, rather. I don't know. I don't know if it would hurt giving him another week. I really don't. Yeah, and listen, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, if I was in their shoes, I would sit him. Because I know if I was in, if I was Gus Malzahn, and he's 80%, but he can still run a little bit, Guess what? I'm probably making the same decision they are because right. Of course, they the want day, him, they want him in there because they're they're oh, trying yeah. to win every game. They're trying to win yep. every game. I'm looking at it from a different point, and I know that sucks. But as a head coach, you want him in there because you feel like he gives you the best chance to win the game. And as a competitor, JRP has had to sit there and watch all these big games go by, and he wants to be out there. So at the end of the day, he's gonna play. He's yep. going to play, regardless of what I think or what you think or how what percentage he's at. He's going to be out there on Saturday. And listen, I know I just said 10%. And listen, if you've watched all the UCF games and you've watched even a sliver of Oklahoma, you'll understand why that's the case. Do I think UCF has a sliver of a chance? Yes, just like Nick said. Anybody in college football has a chance to go out and beat the other team. Baylor was 16.5-point underdogs to UCF. And guess what? They came back 
and beat UCF. College football is a sport where it doesn't matter how many points you're favored by. It doesn't matter what the name on the jersey is. You can get beat any given Saturday. So UCF, they do have things going for them. They're getting a couple of their players back. They had a week off that they could mentally kind of get right. They looked at stuff in the tape. Hopefully, they can get some stuff fixed in the run game. But you have to understand, before the season, though I thought it was a loss, right? The thought process was this defense was going to be a lot better. And ultimately, UCF's offense will be able to go a little pound for pound with Oklahoma to where it might be a one or two possession game at the end of the day. Unfortunately, there's been nothing on tape to prove to me and Nick that UCF could stop this run game. Now, we're not giving our predictions yet. Obviously, I think you can both tell. We both considered a loss. Now, how much is the question? But if UCF cannot stop the run game, I don't care what you think about Dylan Gabriel. They'll run the football all over you, and right. they don't care. They're not going to give it. Like I know DG wants to get revenge, even though it's it's not revenge. He's the one that screwed UCF over. But he's get like I know he wants to light it up. But at the end of the day, they're going to go and try to get the win. And they know, hey, they just gave up 400 yards of rushing to Kansas. Let's just run it down their throat. And if the UCF can't stop and they don't make any changes, it's going to be the same story over and over again. It'll be the same story. Every single week, can UCF stop the run? And until they do, teams are going to keep doing it. And and what's interesting about that is Oklahoma is not particularly a great, you know, running team. They they don't have one single back. I think over 250 yards rushing this year. Right? That's not even really their DNA. I think it because Javante Barnes. I think Javante Barnes was probably going to be their number one guy, and he went right. down early. So they've kind of split it between Walker and and Major a little bit there. Right, and I don't. I mean, <clears throat> again, like I, I I don't I don't I think it obviously the offense runs through through Dylan Gabriel. Let's be real. How is it going to look without you know Andre Anthony again? He's out of the equation. You know how different is it going to look there? I still think they got the horses. Quite frankly, at the skill positions, they're not lacking for there. This is a team that's going to compete for a national championship, right? So, um, but yeah, given the what tape, the tape that UCF has put out there defensively, and we talked about it last week in the midseason review when we were going grade by grade, and you know, I I gave the linebackers what I give them the F plus, yep. the old F plus, right? I mean, that stuff out is out there on tape. So if there was a game for Oklahoma to sort of get that part of their game going and get a little bit more balanced. I mean, this is the one. But, you know, Dylan Gabriel going to this one, of course he wants to put up points on this team. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, maybe there's some play- – on the flip side of that, I'm sure there's some players on this team, some of the leftovers that were here when he was there. I'm sure they want to, you know, get their hands on him a little bit. And there's motivation on both sides probably, right? So. Yeah. I don't know. It makes for it makes for a cool storyline. I know a lot of UCF fans are caught up in it. As I said last week, I'm I'm rooting for Dylan. I'm rooting for Dylan, you know, to go all the way. And I think it'd be cool. Imagine that, like a guy that started at UCF and I know you don't want to hear this, Sean, because you call him sock boy all the time. But the guy that chose to come to UCF, imagine him going somewhere else and winning the and winning a national championship or something like that. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Personally, yeah, they're not winning the Natty, but um, we'll we'll talk about Dylan in a second. But to your point, the linebacking core, Gus did make some like he didn't give much away in his beginning of the week press conference. But the vibe that I got is we are definitely going to be seeing some different people 
maybe potentially starting on defense. I don't know if I got that different, but they brought up linebacker specific. And Gus said, I mean, some people on special teams might be coming over that, you know, because, again, it took them a little farther along. I'm assuming you're going to see some transfers. I'm assuming some of those transfers, one of them is at least going to be on the linebacking core. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if they've changed some things because the vibe that I got from Gus is, and I will, again, who knows? It could be all talk. We're, we're used to that. But for the most part, there's going to be some type of change on the defense. Let's get into the big elephant in the room, which is Dylan Gabriel. Took us 20-something minutes to get to him on a podcast, which never would have thought that for Oklahoma. But obviously, I'm not going to get into the whole spiel of the history of Dylan Gabriel. You all know he was UCS quarterback, um, took over for Brandon Wimbush in the first game because he was, you could just tell, significantly better at 18 than Brandon Wimbush was at 24. Uh, And Dylan Gabriel lit it up and you know is that against FAU right if I'm do I got do I got no. my history right no, no FAU was the FAU. third game FAU was the third game because Stanford yeah. was the second game no Stanford was the year after yeah Stanford no, was wasn't. the second year yeah it was the second year in DG starting. no it was not it was yes, 2000 it was. it was 2019 John he started in 2019 and the Stanford game was in 2019 yeah Whatever, I don't care about them anymore. Okay. Um, I forgot who they opened with. I can't remember who they opened with, right. But it was at home, I know that. But then they played Stanford FAU after that. For whatever reason, I know that's the order. But I can't remember that first team. Can you look it up real quick? Because it's going to bother me. I'm looking it up right now. uh, Because, yeah, now it's making me curious. Um, Because they ended with Marshall, I know that. Yeah, that was in that bowl game at uh, Ray J. Yeah, because, of course, we lose the, the, the big bad, ones there. The bad boy mowers bowl. Okay, yeah. So, we opened up a Florida A&M. That's right. Florida A&M. Yep. Uh, 62 to nothing. And then, yeah, we got Stanford week three. Lost to Pitt in week four, 35 to 34. That's an interesting score. Same score we lost to, uh, or no, that was 35-36. I was going to say Baylor. Um, lost to Cincinnati that year, 27-24. And lost to Tulsa that, that year, 34 to 31. Um, which made us play Marshall in the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl, Gasparilla Bowl, at 10-3. and three. Mm-hmm. But Dylan Gabriel was the quarterback, right? Played uh, played under Josh Heupel, um, you know, lit it up. Heupel leaves. You bring in Malzahn. Has a good start to the year. Loses to Louisville, but at the end of the game gets hurt. And then, you know... Sells merch, UCF merch, the day before he announces his transfer. So that was kind of the reason that a lot of UCF fans feel a little... I think there was a little bit of difference. If you announced you're transferring and you weren't trying to get money out of UCF's pockets, I think it's different. It was a shock to UCF staff, I I know that. But put that to the side. Dylan Gabriel is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country. I've told you 50 million times. One of the most insanely accurate quarterbacks I've ever seen live. Um, he's lighting it up this year. He's had he just had his biggest win of his career. And credit to Dylan. I mean, he won the big game, Nick. That was kind of the the knock on him, right? We talked about it, right? He has not won a big game 
since he's been in college. It's, he's wins the games he's supposed to win. And then if it's a big game or a big moment, he crumbles. He even loses some games that he's supposed to win, a la Tulsa. So credit to him, goes in, has a phenomenal game, goes on a quick one-minute, 30-second drive to score a touchdown with 14 seconds left or whatever it was. He looked phenomenal. This season, he's also looked phenomenal. 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. Also has five touchdowns on the ground running the football. So Dylan has just really, and we all kind of figured, like he's always been good, but he keeps, he's consistent with his his ability. He doesn't really take dips. He really has stayed consistent throughout his college career. Now add him with Jeff Lebby, and you're you're looking at a UCF offense from years ago. Now they've changed a couple things. Obviously, it's still an Oklahoma ground and pound. They really want to run the football. Where if you go to UCF in 2017 to 2019, we ran the football, but it wasn't as much as we we were a passing offense. Uh, kind of what have you seen out of Dylan? especially the last two years. I know he got hurt last year. New staff, new team, you know, growing pains there. I think him and Jeff Lubby have really figured it out this year. Now, granted, I mean, Texas was their big win, but they had a, you know, American Athletic Conference schedule in the first four games, basically playing all AAC teams. But kind of speak on Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Lubby, specifically Dylan, and what you've seen out of them and this Oklahoma team this year. Yeah, I, I think uh, like the thing with Dylan, and I've said this before, like he was so good that freshman year in 2019 with UCF. And then I felt like the next year, I felt like he was like the same quarterback, like it was like a plateau. And I think that was kind of my thing with him. Like, is he okay? Like, and I think I said this a few episodes back when we were kind of like looking ahead to this game. I thought he was playing at a top 15 level already as is. But I thought that kind of was the ceiling. And then he was a guy who couldn't get it done in crunch time. And I think that's where some of that like criticism came from. But then he goes out there, Texas State Fair, biggest game of the season, and just completely goes against the narrative that I guess was started here at UCF and has and puts himself not only Oklahoma into the national title contention, he puts himself in the Heisman contention. That's kind of where he's at. I mean, you look at their schedule, he continues to put these numbers up right now. He's going to be in New York City for the Heisman presentation. Don't think he'll win it. I think the guy in Washington has probably got that you know, pretty much sealed right now. Uh, but I think he'll be there, and I think that shows you there's been a lot of improvement to his game, actually, since he got to Oklahoma. I thought he was really, really good last year as well. You know, I mean, it's little things for me, like, you know, you talked about him being a very accurate passer when we watched him at UCF. He's gotten even more accurate since he's gotten to Oklahoma. And I know they dropped some games last year that probably you wouldn't expect Oklahoma to, uh, but I still thought he played really well. I think the roster was there. The defense certainly wasn't there. First year Venables. This year, things are a little bit different, and Dylan's playing the best ball that he ever has. And listen, what is he, 23 years old? I mean, this is what you probably would expect for a guy who's been in college for five years. You want to see him get better, and he looks like a guy who has mastered the the college football game. So, again, I understand there's a lot of resentment from UCF fans. I get it. I'm not going to tell you you can't have those feelings. Uh, but, again, I think it's cool for a guy that, you know, 
me personally, like, I mean, I had classes with the dude, you know, we were, I had classes with him, not really, didn't really speak to him much, obviously, but to see that, and now he's at Oklahoma and he's on the national stage every week, it's kind of cool. And listen, I understand, you know, like I said, he's playing for national championship potentially. He's in contention for that. That's why he, I think that's a big reason, obviously, why he left UCF. Hard to blame him. You can criticize the way he went out and all those things, but happy for the dude. Um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously a very, very dangerous quarterback, and UCF is going to have their hands full with him. Best quarterback they'll see all year. Uh, there's no question about that. I mean, and again, I know UCF fans would love to to hand Oklahoma a, an L, especially given all of the ties. At the end of the day, you really have to just go in there and take all emotion out of it. And to be honest, I don't get from the staff or from the players there's any emotion given it's Dylan Gabriel. I'm sure behind closed doors. Well, how many Gus players per- how many players are honestly like still here from not there's many. Been a lot of roster turnover. Yeah, not many. I know Ricky Barber, because, uh, but whenever I will say this, they definitely were told not to talk about it too much. Because whenever a question is brought up of like, have you ever played a former quarterback that was on your team, and they're like, nope, never done it, and then they don't elaborate. So I'm definitely Gus has made it very clear not to give. Because I'm sure Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy already have the fuel. At the end of the day, Jeff Levy, you know could have had the head coaching job uh, here at UCF. When when Gus was, Dylan Gabriel was pushing for Jeff Levy to get the, the head coaching job. When Terry Mahajer said, you're a player, I you do not make decisions for universities, so we're going to hire Gus and you can, you know, go be quiet and just be the football player at UCF, which clearly rubbed Dylan Gabriel the wrong way. Yeah, that was, a, uh, that was an odd time. That was an it was odd really time because it, it wasn't just Dylan. It was a multiple. It was a lot of players yeah. who were just going to bat for Jeff Lebby. And then Gus gets hired. And I remember that that first press conference, everybody was like, you know, are you and Dylan like asking Gus, like, are you and Dylan going to get, get along? Like, is this going to work? Um, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if there was anything that, that went on behind closed doors, but. It seemed like an odd mixture, I think, from the start because of all the pressure. It felt like it, it was led by Dylan to get Levy into that head coaching seat. Yeah, and I think ultimately, you know, we'll talk next year about the quarterback that UCF brings in, potentially. I'm hearing some rumblings, um, and there's a name I really like. But at the end of the day, I think it was a it was a power dynamic between Gus and Dylan. And I don't think Dylan loved the offense that Gus was running, even though it seems like it's a quarterback-friendly type of offense, uh, but more so running back-friendly, which I don't know. He kind of has that at Oklahoma right now. But, no, I mean, I think Jeff Levy's going to want to kind of put up some points on UCF because, again, I think that was his best chance at a head coaching opportunity. Um, now, granted, there's a lot of controversy with Jeff Levy, so I don't know how many schools are, you know, I think he'll get one soon, but I don't think a lot of schools right now are pounding down the door um, because with 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 Jeff Levy right now. I mean, we're not going to get into it on this pod. Um, hell of a coach, but a lot of personal things that I don't know if a school really wants to deal with the, the media uh, on that. But no, he's going to want to put up some points on UCF. But that's that's the Dylan talk, right? We're not going to get too much. Like Dylan's going to do really well. Dylan's going to light up 
UCF because he lights up every team. This isn't new. This isn't like, Grant, now Cincinnati was the best. I'll give Cincinnati their due. Cincinnati played Oklahoma really well this year, held them to 20 points, only lost 20 to 6. SMU held them to 28. So Dylan Gabriel, listen, like I've said, good for him. He won the big game. There are weeks Dylan struggles. Like, if you catch Dylan on an off week, listen, they had a bye week. What was Dylan doing on that bye week? How was he feeling after that bye week? Grant, he's going to come in energized for the game. So you're not, I don't think you're going to get an SMU or Cincinnati, Dylan Gabriel. But if you do, for some reason, you have a chance. And listen, let's be fair. Let's look at the, you look at the top teams around the country, and it's good. You know, there's like seven, eight teams that we think are capable of winning the national championship. Georgia's number one. How many, like, they've had like two or three weeks where they've looked, they've looked flat, right? Michigan has blown out every team they faced. So they're the one, I think they're the best team in the country right now, personally, because they just haven't left any. I know they haven't played anybody, but you play who's on your schedule, and they've yep. dominated it. <clears throat> Washington, at times, I feel like is the best team in the country. Um, they had a very close game against Arizona. Now, Arizona is better than I think Looks- we thought they were. Yes. But, you know, it's worth pointing out. Ohio State has had some weeks where I, I feel a little like, I don't know if I'm in or out on Ohio State sometimes. Florida State, this close to losing to Boston College. This close to losing to Boston College. Uh, and then I think Oregon, I mean, these teams that are all kind of in that top echelon, I mean, hell, Alabama, look at them. All these teams that are in that like top echelon that you think are capable of winning national titles, they've all had weeks of their own where they don't play their best. It just kind of happens outside of Michigan, right? So is this the week it happens? Ooh, maybe. I mean, they're coming off a very emotional victory. Oklahoma is. You never know. It's been a while. Sometimes teams come out of a bye week flat. You know, it's 12 o'clock game. It's not prime time. I mean, who knows? I'm, really, I'm looking for things to try to, where does UCF have that path for victory? And if it's possible that Oklahoma, because I think it's going to take Oklahoma coming out sluggish. Yeah. Truthfully, yeah. I think Oklahoma is going to have to look sluggish, I think, out of the gate for UCF to have a chance in this one. And I said it when I was watching it. I I was actually rooting for Oklahoma because I would much rather have Oklahoma coming off their biggest win oh, yeah, this season in the Oklahoma. last couple of years than, yeah, exactly, than a loss and a close loss and then, you know, okay, well, it's my former team and I'm pissed off. Right, that's how we felt about Kansas State. It was the same thing. Yep. And look what that happened with that game. All right, let's talk about the skill positions a little bit um, and the defense with Oklahoma um, before we get into some predictions. Obviously, we talked about the running backs a little bit with Tui Walker and Marcus Major kind of splitting carries. I mean, Walker has 53, Major has 60, almost the same in yardage. Um, Walker's definitely the one who gets kind of the, the goal line touchdowns. He's got four touchdowns on the year to Major's one. Oklahoma likes to run the football. There's no question. They try to run the football down your throat. UCF has been one of the worst, if not the worst teams, in stopping the run. Now, again, take it for what it's worth, but Gus said they saw some things in tape on the bye week, and they're making certain changes. Maybe it's personnel. Maybe it's scheme. I have no earthly idea. You're hoping that you see some improvement. Listen, if Dylan Gabriel throws for 400 yards, but you hold him to 150 up rushing, you know what? I know some of you might disagree. I'll be happy. That's below their average. That's below Oklahoma's average. Exactly. I would rather Dylan Gabriel light this defense up than them. Now, that's with me saying. I want them to at least run the ball 
you can't just have it a sample size. It can't be like 15 rushes. It needs to be 25 rushes or more. If you can hold though 150 yards, and listen, I think that's the magic number, Nick. If you can hold this rushing game to under 150 yards, and you can hold Dylan Gabriel to under 250, I think you're looking at a potential close game here or a potential 10-point game. Because at the end of the day, if they're just lighting you up on the passing game or running game, you have no absolute shot. Because just like Kansas, they threw, what, 12 passes, but they ran you out of the building. And then they get in the red zone and they score. So I hope that they're watching Cincinnati tape because I think Cincinnati did a lot of good things. But I also think Cincinnati's a lot quicker uh, in the, the linebacking core, and I think they've been more dominant on the front seven than UCF has. Now, granted, UCF gets Ricky Barber back this week. I guess he's 100% healthy. So kind of what do you need to see, or what do you hope to see, and what do you hope has changed um, in the last two weeks since they will have a game? Uh, anything. <laughs> anything and everything, Sean. <laughs> I mean, what? I, it's, we're six games in. I think you just kind of become who you are, at some point, and they've proven they can't stop the run against any team with a pulse, <laughs> essentially. And it's, it's killing them because <clears throat> I don't think the secondary's really been that bad this year. I think the secondary, I w- I'm not going to say they've been good. I think they've been average to decent, the secondary. Now, a lot of that is teams don't really have to even worry about trying because they can go and run you know for 200 plus yards every game and and keep it moving um but yeah i think the talent that we have over there on that side of the ball i've at least misjudged you know i i said my piece about the linebacking core and how it's killing this team right now and the guys up front you know getting ricky barber back does help but man again we keep talking about these matchups against these these offensive lines and i look at oklahoma and you know what you're kind of getting into there. You know you're going to be at a big disadvantage, at least from a physical standpoint. And even as it relates to you know getting to the quarterback, they've only allowed five sacks all year. That's it. That's how much Dylan Gabriel's been sacked this year, five times. Am I really expecting UCF's front four to get home? Not really. Not really. So, again, I, I think a lot of what's... You know, my theme here at UCF's path to victory, I think it's going to be more more so about what Oklahoma does than UCF. You just got to hope and pray that they are on an off day and they struggle coming out of the gate and UCF's offense can get it going because, you know, I think if Oklahoma really wants to, they could light it up the board. And I know, you know, Andre Anthony, again, this is, I think, their first game going in without him for this season. But they still got guys that can get deep down the field. They still got guys who can get deep down the field, in particular Nick Anderson. You know, he can really stretch the field as well. So maybe this is the game UCF secondary gets tested as well. But yeah, just there's a lot there that scares me about those sort of matchups there against this defense. Well, listen, I don't know if it's going to make much defense. Uh, starting right guard is going to be out. Um, they're hoping, you know, he'll be out for this game. They're hoping to get him back in a couple weeks. Um, left guard problems. It seems like they've had kind of issues with the left guard. They've kind of changed the left guard a couple times. So if anything, you're hoping you can take advantage of that. With that being said, like Nick said, they've only allowed five sacks all year. So clearly, even if a backup is coming in, it's a solid backup. It's a quality depth backup. So hopefully UCF can take advantage and get some pressure on DG. Um, let's go to the receivers. Nick said it. Uh, Andrell Anthony. Uh, 
basically their number one receiver. Uh, he's out for the year. But with that being said, you have a three head, you know, any skill position player, especially at the wide receiver spots for Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel can make you good, and you're probably good in just without Dylan Gabriel. So you have Jaleel Farouk. He has 415 yards and two tutti, uh, two, two touchdowns. I was going to say tutties, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to say touchdowns. Tutties. Um, Nick Anderson, Nick mentioned him. I mean, he's kind of their, their touchdown score uh, and deep ball. I mean, he's got 11 receptions for 282 yards. So clearly... Uh, he 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 goes deep uh, and he catches touchdowns, six touchdowns, and then Drake Stoops again, a guy that just is Mister Consistent. Chain I mover. mean, a hundred percent. He reminds me so much of Julian Edelman. It's like ridiculous. Twenty nine receptions, two hundred and fifty eight yards, and four touchdowns. So between Anderson and Stoops, that's ten touchdowns right there. So again, if you're UCF, not saying Jaleel Farouk isn't good. I mean, he again, he's got twenty receptions for four hundred fifteen yards. But if I'm UCF. Which again, they have been stopping big plays. Drake Stoops, in my opinion, if I if this is the same UCF defense, Drake Stoops is going to put up 100 yards receiving because they will they'll give up everything. They're not going to give up deep plays, hopefully, because they haven't been given up deep plays all year. They're going to give everything up in front of them, and guess who's going to be there? Drake Stoops, right in the middle of the field, catching those 10 yard passes. He'll go for 10 receptions for 115 yards. Like I can foresee that. So we know that, Nick. Does the UCF staff know that? Like, hey, we, we can't give up the deep plays. But we also know they're going to try to run the football. And we also know Drake Stoops is just going to sit at the 10-yard line. Dylan Gabriel is going to find him consistently. And we haven't stopped it all year. So, like, that's the problem. That is going to be the underlying problem. Can you stop them on third down? Can you stop them from just finding a hole in that defense that many teams have all year? Boy, the more we talk about this, there's too many problems for this defense. To, to, <laughs> there's just too many, Sean. The more we talk about it, like I just, where's the straight? Like, where do they have it? Where does? Where's the matchup advantage? Our, our defense versus their offense. Where's the advantage? I'm waiting. Our defense versus their offense. I'm waiting. Yeah. Anything. That's a good. I point. mean, yeah. there's. It's it's it's. It just kind of is what it is. Like, okay, UCF secondary comes to play, and they do a good job. And Maybe Oklahoma. if Ricky Barber and Lee Hunter are both 100% healthy, I think okay. there there can be a, a matchup there that, you know, that's hard. Plus, you have Josh Seliscar on the end. Like, yeah, John I Walker's think that could do something. Football. John Walker's been playing some good football this year. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the defense. I don't know. Let's just move on to the defense. <laughs> just, let's move on to the I defense. Can't, it's, it's so easy to sit here behind a mic and do all these things they need to do. But, you know, yep. a lot of times it's just – I just I think they're at a they're at a huge talent at, at disadvantage. I think just yep. plain and simple. And I think at a coaching – they're at a big coaching disadvantage too going to this one. Defensively, that's kind of where UCF needs to take advantage. Um, they have been much better on defense this year. Oklahoma um, has Gentry Williams is the DB to watch out for. He's got three interceptions so and one forced fumble. So if you're John Rice Plumley or Timmy McLean or Hell Dylan Risk, um, if you're going into the game, do not throw it at him unless, again, it's you know a 50-50 ball on the – other side of the field, and you're just trying to give a guy a shot. Um, but definitely try not to throw it to him. Um, Danny Stutzman, he's their number one linebacker. He's got the most tackles by a long shot. 58 total tackles, two sacks, one interception, a touchdown, and a fumble recovery. Again, 
bell cow for them and clearly, you know, has looked really good this year and kind of done everything they want to at the linebacking core. Um, they've got a couple good linebackers, so it's not just him. Um, that's kind of what's been really good for Oklahoma on that defense and has been the bright spot for them is their linebackers. And Ethan Downs, he's leading them in sacks with three and a half. He's on the defensive line. So again, this offensive line needs to step up. I don't care that you're third on the watch list or whatever the hell the award is yeah. for best offensive line in the, in the country. It's absolutely no absurd. Um we're still moving guys around on the offensive line. I think Bull is starting at center this week and Drake Metcalf starting at left guard. So, I mean, again, you're going up against, argue, I mean, I'm not going to say arguably the best defense because I don't, I think they're a, oh, they're a good defense, but they're not any, I don't, I think if UCF is 100% healthy, if John Rice is 100% healthy, I do think UCF will be able to score and move the ball on this team. I don't think they've seen a quarterback like John Rice that can beat really beat you with his arms and or and leg. But again, the if he can run the ball, that's a that's a different point. If he is a, if he's going to stay in the pocket like you said, Nick, then yeah, this defense is going to be able to feast because again, they're going to be able to get to John Rice because the offensive line is not as strong as we suspected. He's not going to be able to get out of the pocket because again, he's on a bum leg. Now, if he can get out of the pocket, we're talking a whole different ball game because if UCF can just stay within striking distance, you you have to hope that listen DG makes makes an error because it's a little too close for his liking and, and throws UCF one on defense or, or or something like that. But on defense, what have you liked out of the Oklahoma defense before we give our uh, our predictions? Yeah, I think this Oklahoma defense um, much improved from the first year of last year or the first year rather under Brett Venables last season. Um, you know, and it you know they're aver- they're giving up I think only fourteen points a game so. A lot of good there. Like you said, though, I think outside of Texas, they haven't really seen you know the greatest offenses exactly come through. Haven't seen a running quarterback like John Rice Plumley, assuming he can run again. That's a big deal here. Um, do a pretty good job of stopping the run. I think we've kind of seen that they're one of the best teams in the the conference at stopping the run. But on the other side of that, they're nowhere near the top of the conference when it comes to stopping the pass. So, you know, I think. In this game, if you want to give yourself a best chance to win, it's so simple. It's like just get the best, get your players, get your best players the ball. And I think, you know, Kobe Hudson, I think he has to be on the radar in this one. I think Javon Baker's got to be on the radar in this one, obviously. And I think, quite frankly, I think you need to get the ball to Xavier Townsend more. You know, I think show off that he's, he's what, your shiftiest, fastest guy that you have from the skill position standpoint, at least in that receiving core. I think he's been grossly underused through the first six games of the season. I mean, maybe this is a game for him. I think you can get vertical on this Oklahoma defense if you want. You know, it's just going to take some, I think, really aggressive play calling. And I think that's where it comes back to Gus slash, you know, Darren Henshaw and sort of making that happen. You know, I think you got nothing to lose. You're the team that nobody expects to be in this game, right? You literally have nothing to lose so you know i say that do i so i say that and i'm almost like expecting you know are we going to get a few of these these trick plays that we've just been moaning at all year are we going to keep harvey throwing the football right are we going to go back to the well there that might happen because you have literally nothing to lose but i'd air it out a little bit i personally would i think there's more to this ucf offense vertically and 
You know, I know Oklahoma is a really good team and uh, they have a good defense and things like that, but I think you can beat them. I think you still really have good skill position players. So get them the ball. Just let them make plays. I think that can I think that can happen in this one. Uh yeah. Uh let's let's just go into our predictions. I mean it, it's it's a very interesting kind of thing to think about. Because, yeah, like you said, UCF has nothing to lose. I think Xavier Townsend, in my opinion, is the the factor. I think if he has a huge game, I think UCF has a chance. Because, again, I think he's the more dynamic player on that offense other than John Rice Plumley. So I think if you can get him in space, just like Johnny Richardson, I think Johnny Richardson, Xavier Townsend, and John Rice are the three most vital people on that offense. You're three most athletic players. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Against a team that, according to everybody, and on paper, is better than you in every area, you have to get your most athletic players in space and get them the ball early and often. If you just try to beat Oklahoma like everybody beats Oklahoma, you're going to lose by a lot. So use the players that nobody else in the country has and use them to your advantage. All right, Nick. Let's. I'm going to give you the floor first. Give your prediction, score, all that stuff, uh, and kind of how you foresee the game kind of taking place on Saturday. Yeah, I think I'm going to, you know, I've been saying kind of throughout this entire pod that, you know, UCF's best chance is if Oklahoma comes out a little bit sluggish. I'm going to say they do, but it's not going to be to the extent necessarily that UCF is necessarily looking for. I think this team has big goals ahead of them. I think they're too good to let that happen uh, and have a kind of a letdown here against UCF. I do think UCF's going to be able to move the ball. Okay, for what it's worth, you know, stats are cheap and all those kind of things. For what it's worth, UCF is in the top of the country when it comes to moving the ball on every team they face. So I don't necessarily think they'll have a problem doing that. Can they score in the red zone? Can they get it done there? Can they get it done on the money down, third down? You know, those are the things I think that are going to to really dictate how much they're going to get in the end zone. Because you can move the ball, as we've seen, but not really score. So, I right now, the way I see this, and I think from Oklahoma standpoint, you know, I think they can pretty much do whatever they want if they're motivated in this one. <laughs> just from an offensive standpoint, that's just kind of how I feel. Um, so, I'm going to go Oklahoma 45. I think it can. I think they can hang forty-five. I know. I know. No, I know. you're gonna. No, it's not that. But you'll see in a second. Okay, I got forty-five Oklahoma, and I think UCF. I'm gonna go twenty-seven. I'm gonna go twenty-seven. I think. I think at times it'll be a little bit, you know, in their reach. But ultimately, Oklahoma is gonna make too many plays. Might be a turnover mixed in there for UCF as well. So forty-five. 27. And I haven't even looked at the line, so I have no idea if they're covering them that situation it's 17. or what. It's 17. 17. Well, now I got to do math, and I'm not. Where am I at here? It's at 18, right? Yeah. Okay. So there you yep. do with that what you will. Okay. Well, but before I, I, well, I give why, you my why, score, were, why were you like dipping the hat and everything? Well, you're going to well, you're going to find out here in the next 2 seconds. Um we had the same score, didn't we? I'm going to change it now just a tad because, yes, I cannot believe that just happened. We had the exact um, same score? Exact same score. The exact – I've had it written down for the last couple days. I've literally – I'm like – because I didn't want to forget it. I had this score on – today's Wednesday. I had it on Sunday. I'm like, this is the score. 
This is what I'm feeling. See, that's so funny so I, because I never go. Crazy. I never go into the pod with a score. I kind of like I have the I have our conversation and I kind of yeah. adjust based on that. I adjusted based on the the press conference. That's where I adjusted. Oh, I don't. I adjusted on both. Oh, I I know, but I, hey, if anything, it I can I know when to read between the lines with this team, so it didn't change my line much. Um, listen, UCF has made their history off of being the underdog and beating the big dog when you're going to a game being the underdog. Go back to the Fiesta Bowl, right? UCF was 16.5-point underdogs to Baylor. They go in and win the game. UCF was underdogs to Auburn. They go in and win the game. UCF, you know, loses Mackenzie Milton, has to play Daryl Mack in a championship game, goes and wins the game. You have no shot in the public perception to win this game. Everybody looks at the record and says they're three and three. They're no good. They don't look at. They don't care that you didn't have a starting quarterback. They didn't care that you were up thirty-five to seven at Baylor or against Baylor. They don't care. They look and they say you're three and three. You have no shot to beat Oklahoma. You have two podcasters that are saying the shot for you to beat Oklahoma is very slim. Now, would it be amazing if UCF went in to Norman, one of the hardest places to play in college football? and hand their former OC and quarterback an L? Yes. Can it happen? Yes. Crazier things have happened in college football. I'm shocked the spread is only 17 points. I'll take that spread any day of the week. If UCF loses by 17, I think we're all screaming, you know, we'll be excited. Be like, wow, we only lost by 17. That'd be great. I'm going to change my score. To 45 to 28. It was 45 27. I'm going to say 45 28. Four touchdowns. Okay. Because at the end of the day, I do think, like Nick said, I think UCF will be able to move the football. I don't think it's a question of being able to move the football. The question is if is John Rice healthy enough to be even a 90% John Rice? Is he healthy enough to do the things he knows how to do? Is this defense better in the run game over the last two weeks? Have they learned something that they just haven't been able to correct weeks prior? I doubt it, but who knows? And can Gus and Darren Henshaw call a aggressive game plan? I think you're going to see a lot of fourth down going forward on fourth down. I think you're going to try to get them caught in some different things that they're not used to. Can they call an aggressive game? Because if you call the game that you call the Kansas You'll get blown out just like you did at Kansas. Because you called it safe against Kansas. You called it by the book. And they took advantage. Now, I think UCF has to do what other teams do to UCF. Keep the ball out of Oklahoma's hands. If you can run the football, run the football. I highly doubt it. Because, again, this offensive line has not been good all year. But if John Rice can run the football, you get him in some play actions. You get him in some QB runs. I think UCF has a shot, but right now I'm saying 45 to 28. Have they absolutely uh, ridiculous? We had the same score. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, I'm always right. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, have they decided yet? What I'm just curious. Have they decided what yet? What uniforms are wearing in this one? There hasn't been a reveal yet, has there? I think it gets revealed <clears throat> either today or to, today's Wednesday. We're releasing this on Thursday. Well, side I think note, they usually I release it today side note I didn't, I didn't say it after the kansas game but i think i've seen enough of that whatever that whatever they wore against kansas with the the, the white the white in the suit in the gold letters or whatever yeah mm. horrendous 
please wear yeah. something that I can tell who's who on TV. You're killing. That's you're, my only. That's my only thing about here, man. The night mode and the light mode. Those are those jerseys. The only thing I am asking is just put an outline around the name There's, and jersey number. That's it. Right. It doesn't. I, let me show you. Let me show you the perfect UCF road uniform. Okay. I'm gonna put my phone oh, up here. <clears throat> I think they wore this at Kansas State. Just wear this. Can we see? Yeah. Yeah. I can see. That's great. Okay. It's, white, you can't really, but we get the gist. Right. I think you guys get the gist. White on white, black num. Oh, black number. With the gold outline, I believe that is, with the gold helmet. Okay, that's that's all I need. Okay, I don't need to reinvent the wheel with the uniform every week because that Kansas game, like my eyes personally, I struggled. Now, I'm also very colorblind, full disclosure, so that light gold or whatever it is really messes with me. But, yeah, this is all I want to see. Right here, let's get back to the basics. Yeah. Okay. I can agree. Doing the live stream la uh, against Kansas was rough because I literally could not tell 50% of the time who the ball went to. What? So, yes, I have no problem with that. All right, Nick, final thoughts before we end this long episode. Long episode out. I don't say this slogan much, but I'm just feeling it. Go Knights. Jar John. Guys, let's see what can happen. Who knows what... Who knows? Anything can happen. Let's see if the bye week made a difference. Uh, like I said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please, please stop by Burger U on Saturday to watch the game. Uh, great spot to watch the game with fellow UCF Knights fans. No other place in the area to watch the game like Burger U. Again, especially if you're a former student, Burger U is the spot to go. And I'll be there basically from 11 to, to the end of the game. And then we'll be doing... Um, Maybe we'll do a. Maybe I'll do a pod from there. Maybe we'll. Maybe I'll just do the the pod from Burger U. We'll see how loud it is. But we'll be filming a pod after that. But please stop by Burger U. We we would really. I would love to see you, and I'd love to have you on if uh if you would like to be on. And again, we'll be doing a lot of giveaways during the 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 show. So definitely stop in uh, and say hi. All right, guys. Again, let's see what'll happen. Let's see what we can do. This has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.